0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You can't come without I
1: got them
2: $1.9
0: trillion dollars relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail
3: that are consequential. I wrote the bill on the environment. This is an employees employees bargaining chip now. What's happening? So the weird wispy, uh, whispering uh, part of uh, mommy. The old man is scaring me. That aside, that was press conference number two. So he rolls out yesterday. Joe Biden, like right while we're going off the air, and all the headlines hit. Phones are dinging, you know, uh, the, the wires around here at the news station. I read big, 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 big major deal bipartisan agreement on infrastructure. Holy cow! Bipartisan, when's the last time we did that? And Biden comes out with Mitt Romney over one shoulder and some other Republicans and Joe Manchin and some other Democrats. Kirsten Sinema in her pretty red dress. And they're all slapping each other on the back and smiling real big. And he said, this is the way it used to work and it can work again. This is proof that the Senate works. Bipartisanship is back. This is the way we get things done. And, like, practically as he's saying it, all those news dinger things go off again with Nancy Pelosi saying... I'm not passing this thing unless we get all the the the, the 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 liberal wish list that we wanted. What Joe Biden came out and said we're passing was the stripped down infrastructure stuff because it's gonna be about a trillion dollars. They took out all that non infrastructure progressive crap stuff. Right. Nancy Pelosi announces as he's walking away, I'm not gonna pass your thing unless I get all that progressive crap. Then he comes back out later and says, Yeah, that's what I meant to say. We're not gonna pass the first one until we get the second one or something. To which the Republican
2: senators involved in the negotiations said, what?
3: We didn't walk yeah. out there with smiles on our faces talking about bipartisanship to have you do this. Lindsey so, Graham even dropped an F-bomb when asked he, about it.
2: He did. He did. So we're expected to believe, oh, we got to usher Lon He Chen onto the show. Then we can continue on. Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow at American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution and the director of domestic policy studies at Stanford University, joins us. Lon He, how are you, sir?
4: Uh, I'm doing fine. You guys remember that that movie where the guy says, "I see dead people that's, <laughs> kind of what, that's, that's kind of what what the president reminded me of when i when I heard him whispering that yesterday,
2: yeah, creepy, creepy indeed, but but what is your guess what happened yesterday with the 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 whipsaw, the uh, double reverse
3: was that on purpose, or did Joe Biden not the check his messages and missed one from Nancy or what happened?
4: Yeah, it's hard to say, but I, I think you guys have analyzed it pretty well. Which is that it's very hard to see where there's going to be any Republican support, even for a bipartisan infrastructure deal, if it's premised on them doing another bill with six trillion dollars of spending, including a bunch of policies that Joe Biden and every single of the Democrat knows are going to be opposed by Republicans. So it, it was either disingenuous or it was ham-handed. Surely, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to.
3: Surely it wasn't disingenuous, was it? I mean, surely Joe Biden didn't come out there and with all those Republicans and talk about bipartisanship and, and give that impassioned speech he gave, knowing he was going to come back out. But then, of course, the alternative is unthinkable, too. You had no idea that Nancy Pelosi was going to oppose it. I don't know what's going on.
4: Well, here's the thing. During the campaign, we last year's presidential campaign, we heard repeatedly from, from President Biden that he was going to govern as a as a moderate, that he was going to govern as a bipartisan kind of guy. He was going to seek compromise. And what we've seen, the actual proof in the pudding has been, you know, progressive, very progressive policies. It's been four trillion dollars in spending. It's been, you know, massive government programs. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, we have to think that maybe the bipartisanship thing is is turning into a charade, because in this case, um, Nancy Pelosi made it very clear what her position was. It didn't seem like a particularly new position. I think she's always said yeah. the whole time that she wanted to do a big package. So, you know, I, I don't know what we're to believe, guys, but it's disappointing because if you actually could get to yes on a bipartisan infrastructure package, just the infrastructure piece, roads and bridges and stuff like that, and that seemed to be what the Democrats and Republicans got to an agreement on, that would have been great news. I, I'd say, yeah, let's do that. But unfortunately, it seems like this is all part of a, of a political sideshow now, and it's unfortunate.
2: Well, it strikes me that it would have been a, a win for the Biden administration, which is fine. It would have strengthened, honestly, the Democrats coming up on the midterms because they could say, look, we're governing. We're not just involved in partisan spats. We're a governor. There's no need to take back the House. Why? We're getting this stuff done. And and furthermore, the idea that you've got this big group of of ideas, spending plans, including the bipartisan hardcore infrastructure and then the progressive wish list, the idea that you would just simply divide it into two and say, all right, if you pass the stuff we all agree on and also pass, the stuff you don't agree on, you can have the stuff we all agree on. I mean, nobody would structure a deal like that. It's insane. It's got to be a breakdown in communication.
4: Yeah, well, it's even worse than that, because what Nancy Pelosi is saying is, I'm not going to give you this bipartisan deal unless you do the other one first, which defies all logic. Right. The whole reason you do a bipartisan deal is because you figure you can get enough support to get something through on a reasonable set of reforms. But if that reasonable set of reforms is passed is premised, on passing an unreasonable set of reforms, well, then then, then it doesn't work, and, and the whole thing breaks down. So, yeah, either, yeah, as I said, either it's ham-handed and they didn't get their communication right, or it was deliberately deceptive, and, and you know, that, that would be very, very bad if that was the case. you have
3: any other questions on that? Joe is going to ask about Kamala at the border. Well, I was just wondering if it's simply Nancy declaring
2: her independence from the White House and saying, uh, you know, the House of Representatives were our own thing, don't tell us what to
0: do.
4: Well, I I don't think it should be a surprise that Nancy Pelosi is completely controlled by the far-left progressive wing of her party. She essentially had to capitulate to them to win another term as Speaker. Because you may remember when she came back up for Speaker again, there were a whole bunch of people, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others on the far-left, who said they wanted someone else. But Pelosi basically said, no, I'll play ball with you for the next two years, and then I'll go away. This is her playing ball. And everybody should have realized that from day one. That what we had was a, you know, we had a certain wing of the Democratic Party, which I don't think reflects, by the way, most of America. I think most of America, you know, wants a relatively centrist approach on common sense issues like infrastructure. I don't think they're going to be very happy, by the way, that basically the far left blew up this deal. If that's what happens, that they're going to be the ones responsible for. it. I know they're the ones who are calling for this two-step approach.
3: When the original news hit and Joe Biden announced the bipartisan, and he had Mitt Romney there, and you know, and, and Democrats and stuff, I thought, man, this is bad news for the Republicans because this is this is what he's going to run on. C I M bipartisan, and I thought, well, that didn't last long. It lasted like three minutes, anyway. So Kamala Harris is uh, going to the border today. So was that merely a? When they heard that Trump's going to the border next week, they thought, we got to get Kamala Harris down there before Trump, or he's just going to hammer us on this.
4: Yeah, it's, it's all about the politics, you know, of her appearing at the border. I mean, look, the president named her the sort of border czar, if you will, the person in charge of this set of policies several months ago. I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is her first visit to the border, or first visit at least in a substantial way to the border. And, you know, it's all about the optics for them because they have not – I don't think there's been anybody at the White House or anybody in the administration that has seriously talked about wanting to come to the table to actually get something done on immigration. So this is all about optics, right? And I'm I'm not talking about even the more controversial stuff, guys. I'm talking about basic things like can we have a secure border? Can we have rules around who comes here and who doesn't? Can we have rules around the best way to to create uh, an America that, you know, reflects – what we for the values we want. Well, hey, Lon, Lonnie, sorry to interrupt, but did,
3: did you see that Harvard Harris poll that came out this week where 60 percent of Americans said we need to uh we need to secure the border um and stop illegals from coming in? A majority of Americans said a majority of voters said in this Harvard poll that they preferred Trump's policies. They should have kept Trump's policies in place. That is mind blowing to me.
4: Yeah, it is. But there's a common sense element to this as well. Right. And you guys remember during the Democratic debates, uh, presidential debates, I forgot how long ago this was probably well over a year ago. But when they were talking about immigration issues and they did those hand raising exercises where basically they got a bunch of Democrats to say that essentially they don't believe in the sanctity of the southern border. Right. Well, that's not where America is.
3: But the point is, that's not where America is at all.
4: Oh, I agree with you. I, I, I think the vast majority of Americans believe in a common sense immigration policy. And that includes, by the way, border security. I mean, there's just no way around it, right? Like, I don't know how you can have an immigration policy that means anything if you're if you don't have a policy to enforce, if you don't have sovereignty, if you don't believe in national sovereignty, if you don't believe in the security of our southern border, the security of any border, for that matter. It's very hard to have a rational immigration policy. So I think for, if you take as a point of departure, a belief that you know we shouldn't really have border security i don't know what conversation there is to have there really isn't a conversation to have at that point well
2: there's no constituency for it which is why they resort to emotional arguments and lionizing immigrants is the heart of the country blah 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 and with all due respect to folks who are trying to improve their own lives it has nothing to do with enforcing the law uh I, god forgive me for asking about 2024 but I think we can agree that at this <laughs> moment uh Kamala Harris is the presumptive uh, the, the nominee What? Since what?
4: Cuz Biden is old as the hills. Uh what do you think that the job she's doing so far? Well I I mean I don't I don't know what she's done. She had a disastrous first foreign trip. She's basically been sidelined on important issues. Uh, the one issue she's been given, which we've been talking about border security and immigration, is not an issue we've seen any progress on. So, you know, I, I would say if this is the record of accomplishment she wants to run on, she may have a difficult time doing so. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen on their side. It'll be really interesting. Biden has actually said he's going to run again. I, I don't know if I believe that or take that at face value. I will say this. I think there will be a very clear contrast in 2024 between two different visions for the country, I think. President Biden and the Biden administration have laid out very clearly what their blueprint is. It's, you know, trillions upon trillions in new spending and new programs that, by the way, don't have any empirical proof of actually working to do the things they say that they're going to do. So I um it's going to be an interesting campaign. I don't know what Harris is going to do, but I will say so far, at least. Uh, if you take her record, there's just not a lot there that people are going to look at and say, "Oh yeah, yeah." There's a record of accomplishment there.
3: Hey, short answer, if you could, because we're about out of time. You worked on Rubio's campaign last time. Is he going to run? Because I was listening to him the other day, and I thought, man, he should win.
4: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do, but you know, I think he has been somebody who's been in and around these really important policy debates for the last few years. I, I regard him very highly. I think he'd be very competitive if he chose to do it. Yeah. I, I don't know if he will, but we'll see.
2: All right. Have him take a big old sip of water before he goes on camera. Lon <laughs> Hee Chan, David and Diane Steffi, Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the fabulous Hoover Institution, their Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford. Lon great to talk to you. Have a good weekend. Hey, guys, you too. If Thanks.
3: I'm if I'm Trump, Trump probably won't do this, but if I'm Trump, I get to the border and I tout that Harvard-Harris poll all day long. A majority of Americans preferred my policies. Yeah, I wonder if he's heard about it. You'd think he would have. That that's that's stunning news. The way the way the media portrayed oh. the Trump era policies around the immigration, the most evil xenophobic racist thing that has ever happened in our nation's history. Yeah, well, America preferred those policies to the current ones because there weren't so many people sneaking into the country.
2: Yeah, they gave you the impression only Hitler and the Klan were uh, along with Trump uh, yeah. you know, and his policies. And 55% no.
3: of America. Uh, per yeah. 55% of voters. By the right. way, speaking of Trump, oh boy, do we have a special guest to say goodbye to Positive Sean. It's Positive Sean's last day on the show. He's been working with us for years. He's leaving, and we pulled some serious strings to get a great guest for a send-off, if you haven't heard this. So, man, you know what they say in the radio business, don't touch that dial.
0: Armstrong and The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: Crank it up. Special request from Sean on his last day.
4: (laughs) Yes! Yeah!
1: If I could play this on the saxophone... I don't know if I'd ever talk again.
3: Wouldn't take a long time to learn, but it's one of those like great riffs that's pretty simple. But It would take a while to learn to play it like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's notes, and then there's notes. Yeah. That's cool. That's a good song. Baker Street. Look it up on your whatever streaming service you have. Another crazy day. Forget about everything.
2: Um That's actually a great song. Oh, oh that's yeah. not the song where the guy jumps up on the supermarket checkout
1: stand and plays no, the uh sax that's, that's the the, saxo the wham song. From
3: Guilty Feet Have Got No Rhythm,
1: I think. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is really a horrible one. way to run the justice system. <laughs> you make someone dance and if they can't do it, off to the gulags. Uh, uh, no rhythm. Those feet are guilty.
3: Um good news if you're a fan of America when it comes to the Olympics. On one team. we will tell you about that in a second. But first, this is Sean's last day after being with the show for, I don't know why we can't nail this down. It's been six, seven years.
1: Ah, No, it's unknowable. Yes, it's it's at least seven
3: years. years. Mm. So that's quite a while. And Sean is leaving today. And we thought, what do we do as a send off? I do have a special gift for him later. But man, oh, man, oh, man, it's good to have connections. We got connections in high places. We talked to somebody who knew somebody who got a hold of somebody who called the golf course and we got him on the line. And here it goes.
0: Well, Positive Sean finally quit the stupid Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty are the doing a big libertarian, and they didn't want to have Positive Sean. You know, Positive Sean was somebody who was, you know, he was a pretty good producer, maybe. Maybe not a great producer, but he was a very bright guy, okay? Just a fabulous, you know what? He did a fabulous job, but maybe he wasn't the brightest guy in the world. You know what? They say he's one of the smartest people that we've ever seen. We've never seen anybody so smart, quite like positive sean okay. but here he is and he's <laughs> you know he said i'm not i'm not gonna do it anymore i don't want to do the getty and i don't want to do in terms of armstrong or any of that <laughs> with regards do all of it he said that he had enough you know and maybe he talks a little too much it's a little too much talky talk with positive sean it ruins the show but positive sean god bless you and i hope you have a wonderful time wherever the hell you're going <laughs> They say that I know Positive Sean. I don't know him. I've never met him before. But we think he's a wonderful person. We're looking into it very strongly. He's such a beautiful guy, and he's one of our closest friends. And we're looking into it, so we wish him well. I wish him well. Honestly, I wish him well.
3: That is so classic. Uh, oh,
0: oh. There he I, is.
3: Actually, I've never met him. He's a fabulous guy. We love him. One
0: of our best
1: friends. <laughs> the instant qualifiers to reel back in the thing that he yeah, just said. Yeah,
3: oh. yeah, that is
0: so good. Yeah. And it's good. To, 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 we're going to really miss him. Maybe, maybe Just, not. Maybe overstayed <laughs> his welcome. Positive Jean, here he is, and he's, you know, he said, "I'm not. I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't want to do the Getty, and I don't want to do in terms of Armstrong or any of that. You want to." See slash hear the
2: director's cut of that screen. It's at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah,
3: there's like a minute we cut out of that. So if you want to see the whole thing or hear the whole thing, go to armstrongandgetty.com. Hey, uh, so Steve Kerr, uh, coach of the Golden State Warriors and a liberal, said yesterday he thinks Kevin Durant's more talented than Michael Jordan. He coached one and played with the other. Kevin Durant, I didn't realize this, Steve Kerr is one of the coaches for the Olympic basketball team for the USA. Kevin Durant's playing on that team with a Mm. bunch of the
1: other stars. Condolences to the world.
3: Yeah, look out, world, (laughs) with Kevin Durant coming your way the way he's been on fire lately. So, uh, yeah, going to be another gold medal for the United States basketball team. Uh, News of the day and other stuff on the way. Stay tuned. Get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As nice as it is to be emerging from lockdown, there are a few downsides. For instance, here in New York, to-go cocktails and alcohol delivery ends today. You You see New York? The people want their booze. Want to see another failure of government in a nanny state? So, as of today, as Stephen Colbert mentioned there, uh, the whole to-go booze in New York, which happened a lot of places in the country, is ending. Despite the fact, the poll shows 80% of voters want it to continue. 80% of voters think... Why the hell can't we buy booze to go? I can get as drunk as I want there. If I'm going to drive, I'm going to drive. Right next door,
2: they got the, I
3: think they call them liquor stores. I can buy gallons of booze to go. All you're doing is making it less convenient. You're hurting businesses that could sell booze. It's just dumb. 80% of voters in a very liberal nanny city say, let us continue it. But nope, they're not going to change the law. I don't get, I don't get it's democracy sometimes. Um, Britney Spears in the news. We're not big, uh, Britney Spears news guys, but this whole conservatorship thing popped up as she showed up via video in an LA court the other day and let the world know what a conservatorship can be. She's almost a 40 year old woman at this point. She makes millions of dollars a year, so I don't know how crazy you could be and imagine, pull that off, but her dad and the conservatorship get to tell her, How often she performs, how often she practices, when she practices, what songs she's going to do. They forced her to have an IUD, and she has to keep it in, is not allowed to take it out, birth control. New York Times, following this story closely, um, is the forced contraception alleged by Britney Spears legal? Past rulings suggest it would violate a basic right, so they think it's illegal if it's true. Um, And the singer has since said, because a lot of people wondered, why didn't you petition the court a long time ago? The singer said she had not known she needed to petition the court to be released from her legal arrangement. She was under the impression that they would come to her and say when it was over. And uh, so that's placing focus on her longtime counsel, who might have been misleading her also for some sort of financial gain.
2: Well, that is interesting, because I'd read they have, they have still not filed for an ending
3: of the conservatorship. Um, I won't tell you how I know this. Maybe someday I will, but I won't tell you now. How, now, how I know this, but the number of lawyers who will look to pick a fight because there's more money in it oh, rather right. than having something end is uh, is more than you would like. An agreement is the worst thing that could that could happen. This being over is bad uh, news if you just uh, want to bill hours.
2: What a cash cow this must be for the lawyers involved. Heck yeah. Given the dollar figures, and just, wow, wow. I I heard it said that her screed was, and I haven't heard it, I just read excerpts of it, was was uh, a little crazy person, person sounding, and she might not have helped
3: her cause. Could be. But, man, what a nightmare. I mean, but, this is the defend- stuff of, of movies. You know what she sounded like, though, to me? I listened to it. She didn't sound like a crazy person. She sounded like a not particularly educated person who's in a bad situation. And we'll who's
2: being exploited and imprisoned and yeah. doesn't know what to do about the
3: it. The law doesn't get to take advantage of you because you're not, you know, uh you didn't go to law school. Right. And you don't have an IQ of 110. I yeah. mean, you're not supposed to be taken advantage of because of that. She sounded yeah. like just a regular person who doesn't know how these things work. Yeah. Who's being yeah. screwed over by her own family and lawyers because she's the one that brings all the money. The one thing that she said that I thought made the most sense, I'm the only one working here. <laughs> they make me work every day to make all this money, and everybody else is living off of me.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's something. Well, they say it'll. Uh, these things are unraveled very, very slowly. I'm sure the lawyers make sure of that. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, on the other hand, this happened frighteningly quickly, the collapse of that 12-story oceanfront condo tower in Surfside, just north of Miami Beach. Uh, Rescue crews working through the night, still working now on unstable rubble. Uh, I don't know what the death toll is at this point. Um, Last I heard, it was four. Um, Perhaps when you're listening to this, it will have changed. The number of people unaccounted for has risen to 159. And uh, various news outlets are talking to various construction experts, and nobody really has any idea what happened, which is disturbing. This never happens in the United States. But
3: still not even a hint. I haven't heard anybody say this but me. Still not even throwing out the question of, could have somebody set off a bomb or done something? Yeah, I guess because nobody
2: reported any explosions or anything like that. The building Mm -hmm. just all of a sudden started to crumble. And indeed, CNN had an interview with a fellow whose mom and grandmother were in the building in the previous day. She'd mentioned to him, there's this weird creaking at night. I can't sleep. But nobody thought much of it. And, And you wouldn't. Just what a nightmare. Yeah, somebody's oh, yeah. going to be on the hook for. Well, they'll declare bankruptcy and, and dodge the judgment. But
3: uh, we we really take for granted in this country that our you drive over a bridge, it's not going to fall down. You go into a building, it's not going to collapse on you. Um, that sort of thing. And that generally, as long as you don't live in California, you'll have electricity no matter what. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The forty-nine states
3: enjoy regular electricity. And and we're not talking giant historic ice storms. We're talking it's kind of breezy. Yeah, like practically all the time they have electricity in most of the states, even if it's windy. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. One more big news story unfolding today
2: is uh, Derek Chauvin, the uh, infamous George Floyd uh, cop, is getting sentenced today. The most serious offense, second-degree murder, carries a penalty of up to 40 years, according to Minnesota
3: laws. What do court watchers say, Joe? Well, court
2: watchers say the typical, there's a, uh, uh, what is the term? It's the typical sentence, uh, the presumptive or average sentence for a first time offender convicted of second degree murder, according to the guidelines, is 12 and a half years. So is The this judge th- has the discretion to determine how much jail time he will receive. And this is legal tr- experts said the, uh, the sentence will likely fall somewhere between the presumptive and the maximum sentences.
3: So this is a judge alone making this decision. Yes. Um, do you feel like this judge is under a lot of political pressure to give a much much more on the high side of these numbers? Uh, well, yeah. Like the town I will have burn a down feeling... if he goes on the low side? Well, yeah, there's that. I have
2: a feeling, though, that the facts of the case and the, the callous lack of humanity, blah, 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 the judge is probably leaning that way anyway.
3: God, he would have to be under pressure to go on the high side. I mean, I don't know if anybody would say it out loud to him, but just, you know, from following, you know, the world the last year. Right. I mean, it has got to be a weird decision to make. Um, If you're sitting there and you can, on your own, decide, do I go 15 or 20? You look at past cases, you think, oh, it seems like more like, how would you not go with 20, knowing how people might react? Well,
2: you got to get out of the judging business, I think, if you're going to think that way not that they don't but you shouldn't
3: I men it's, it's unrealistic about the way the human mind works to think you're not going to any number would be a should i go higher or lower you come to you got you know, you're, rank, you're wrangling with it in your own mind oh sure you yeah you yeah. have to be influenced by the city burning down
2: well, yeah, the only reason I I disagree with you is that that's their job, is to understand where they might be biased and eliminate that. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's, like a big part yeah. of being a
3: judge. Same ju- same job that like the judges in the Ninth Circuit Court would have, is that they're supposed to look at these things and not be influenced by politics. Right. But they seem to be. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah.
2: There are also just legitimate differences of opinion on what the Constitution means and how it ought to work. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we'll all find out, and he'll go to jail and live in a cage for the next
3: yeah, I mean, 12 that, to 20 years. How many judges were involved there in Philadelphia who thought, no, absolutely, These, uh, this Catholic group cannot possibly um, be allowed to discriminate against gay people? wanting to adopt babies, and they and they went ahead as, as people in law who were supposed to use their legal reasoning only, mm-hmm. and they were overturned 9 nothing by the Supreme Court. So right. how much are they being influenced by their politics? Of course, right. being influenced by politics is different than being influenced by the news of the day.
2: And fear of your city burning down, yeah. which was your question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was answering your question.
3: Which is a good thing to answer. Thank
2: you. Um, I got, I've, I've had that down for a long time. The whole Q&A thing. That's how I remember it. I got. I wrote it here in pen on my hand. q and A. I
3: don't know. That would be a tough one, though. You think, geez, I mean, I'm looking at past cases, and you're, normally people get 10 years for this. I mean, that's what I've ruled in the past. And you think, I announced 10 years, and tonight I'm going to be watching on TV half this city burned down and half the businesses be ruined forever.
2: You're right. You would have to fight that with every fiber of you. I don't know anything about this. Cahill did a pretty good job during the trial. Mm. It'd be on your mind, no doubt,
3: unless he just never watches the news. He's one of those, uh, you know, intellectual geeks. Has no idea. I suppose when we come back, I should give Sean his gift. Um, it's kind of using up a lot of space out in the uh, the the lobby, <laughs> so I need to bring it in here.
1: Well, and everybody keeps like wanting to touch it. Don't touch Sean's gift. It was really expensive. That's what I keep telling them. If I see a single fingerprint on this thing, (laughs) you probably won't. Well, you won't, uh,
3: which I'll explain why when I give you your (laughs) gift. So that's coming up next.
0: Armstrong.
4: Get
3: him a cat. You can only move so many cats out of state. As Sean, as you know, has many cats. So um, Armstrong and Getty show has been made up of uh, Joe and I have been part of it uh, really the whole time. But there have been a whole bunch of other people that have come and gone over the years. And um, uh, Jack's explosive temper having driven them out. Let's be honest. Um, and uh, Sean is leaving today. It's the end of a seven-year run, I think, for Sean. As uh, executive producer, not executive producer, one of the producers. Huh? What
1: did yeah. you start as? Uh, I started as just a, one, just a producer. Uh, okay. Did more guest booking then. Than what are you now? What do you do? Very little. I'm yeah. <laughs> not sure what you do. How would you describe what you do well, around
3: here? Will we here? notice when you're gone? Um, no, actually, yes, we're, we're talking. Of course, we will. Joe and I were honestly talking <laughs> earlier this week about how every funny comment you make or every insight you have on a story we didn't think of, we think, oh boy, that's going to hurt when we when that's gone. So uh, we actually will miss that. But so we got you that other cool thing that was uh, President Trump calling in.
1: Absolutely, uh, easily on the short list of my favorite things that's ever happened to if, me. That, <laughs> that fabulous. If you fabulous. haven't
3: heard that, go to ArmstrongandGetty.com for the podcast, or uh, we'll be playing it again at the beginning of hour four. And we only got it because I briefly uh, dated Ivanka in the 90s. But But I wanted to get you another gift. And this this fits in with you. You brought us. I'm not sure I would even know NFTs existed if it weren't for you, for instance. N- the what does that stand for? Non fungible <laughs> token. So he still,
2: he still doesn't know they exist. <laughs> and you know
3: we've given you a lot of grief about how they're just they're just crap. They don't really exist. And you've made money off of them and everything like that. Correct. Just, and just this whole world of imaginary things and and stocks that
1: shouldn't be worth as much and the all mean that sort of economy thing. sort of things. Yeah, exactly. So kind, of,
3: kind of fitting in with that whole thing. If you remember, several weeks ago, artist Salvatore Garu. Sold a statue for eighteen thousand dollars. Okay. This is okay called La Sono or I Am. Now the mm. statue's invisible, but it did sell for eighteen thousand dollars. And you thought that was cool and a great idea, so I thought I know what I'm gonna get Sean <laughs> for his going away gift. So I got a hold of Salvatore Garu. I couldn't give him
1: eighteen grand. I said I'm willing to go five K. Well, because first of all, this isn't your first one. Right. right, This isn't
3: your first invisible statue. So I gave him 5k. (laughs) Mm. I gave him commissioned it. I gave him the theme I wanted to have him do. If you can open the door, Michelangelo is going to wheel in on a chair the latest statue from Salvatore Garu for Sean. (laughs) It's called La Toro. I'm sorry, El Toro Caca is the name of the statue. <laughs> is it foreign I don't
1: language? Speak Spanish.
3: El Toro t- Caca. And there it I'll is on the Google chair as you can see this. it. I mean,
1: that's. <laughs> it came out, It's bigger than I thought it would be. That, that is wow. squ- I'm going to have to figure out shipping that cross country. That's going to be difficult. <laughs> it's big, and it's $5,000. Um, okay, I know how much to insure it, insure it for. That's good. <laughs> exactly. good. That's good. you would want somebody to steal it or in case you drop it and it broke, some sort of defacing <laughs> of it, of. Uh, I'm sorry, El, El Toro yeah. P- it would have oh, okay. to have a face to deface
3: it. El Toro Caca, and you can put that in your house if you want to put it in the entryway, or the bedroom, or the
1: shower, or anywhere you want to put it. It doesn't really make any difference. <laughs> really, literally anywhere. <laughs> literally anywhere. Yeah, it's it's flexibility is one of the most yes! appealing things of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And so we've got it goes into any room, and it really ties it all together. So I hope you, I, <laughs> I hope you enjoy that. And it's it's not as good as the eighteen thousand dollar version. How much does that weigh? Do I need to? dolly for
3: that it's uh, uh we will have the video
1: of this entire uh, <laughs> hansen's been in here videotaping it
3: as a as michelangelo rolled it in on its pedestal because so was that
1: at, the, the, the pedestal it's on that does that come with it it doesn't matter
3: you can use any pedestal you want okay, I mean, oh, absolutely. okay so
1: you won't get your feelings hurt when i <laughs> no, swap out the pedestal no if you swap it out for okay. a nicer pedestal okay, a nicer right. invisible pedestal el toro caca
2: the sculpture are very durable as well, indoor, outdoor. Yes. So if you want it, yes. you know, in your entry.
3: Weather way. doesn't affect it at all. Nope, oh, it's already no, weather treated. Humidity, oh, wow. none of these things will have an effect. So
1: we <laughs> be in good shape. So I hope you part with those gifts. Um, <laughs> My Google Translate's not really helping with what the name of this means. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, it's funny. As I read about this artist again, getting ready for this, I'm even more amazed.
1: Uh, he sold it, like, immediately for $18,000. That's got to be somebody laundering drug money, doesn't it? It doesn't got to be, but it might be. How how
2: are you that rich and that stupid? How does that happen? Maybe you inherited it. I don't know. Or
3: you're... Maybe they
2: take a blow to the head, kicked by a mule.
3: You know, according to the people that are into it, it's not about being rich and stupid. It's about, like, really understanding art and what art means and what art is and all that. On the other hand, shut up. And it's, you know, how much different is an invisible statue from some of these NFTs? You got a picture of one? I got a picture of it, too. Okay, good for you. They're a little bit different. Yours is more something than mine's not. Like, you got, what's your NFT you got
1: the other day? Uh, I, I bought uh, a bonsai tree. I right. bought an ape. So I've, yeah. does it come
3: with any paperwork or anything like that?
1: Uh, Certificate I mean, of Authenticity. <laughs> exactly. Essentially that stuff, but it's all, it's, it's all digital. Yeah, it's all digital. I could print mm-hmm. it out and have paperwork for it. But, yeah, essentially it does have those. This is the serial number of how this is blank of however many. Yeah. Um, it, it has listings of the the various traits it has on it. Like my, my bonsai tree has a lovely little magpie sitting right on the edge. Well, of I the, know it does because
3: I have a picture of yours, which yeah, is exactly yeah, the same as yours.
1: But not exactly the same. You have a very good replication of it. Yeah. Uh and, and yeah, so it tells me, oh, only X percentage of these trees have this magpie, you which, know, kind of adjusting which, your rarity and whatever.
3: Which arguing against my own point is you can get something that looks exactly like the Mona Lisa, including with oil brush strokes, but it's not exactly the same. So instead of worth being worth five hundred million dollars, it's worth like A hundred bucks. I feel like I've finally
2: cracked, and I'm sitting around the insane asylum, listening to the other insane people prattle on about nonsense. I
3: didn't get any paperwork with the statue. I probably should. I'll get a hold of the artist and see if I can get a certificate of authenticity. Maybe I'll get a star named after you at the same time.
1: (laughs) Recorded. and get a discount if you do it both.
3: (laughs) Maybe gives a discount for the two for naming a star after you. Combo pack.
1: (laughs) Anyway, you'll be missed. I uh, as will the, I will miss this show as well. Oh yeah,
2: oh my goodness, yeah. Well, yeah, you'll be missed personally and professionally, Sean. It's been a, a great pleasure to know you. And uh, I hope you will check in uh, now and
1: again. I uh, the folks would love that. I I'm I you, you all have my number I'm absolutely available to do uh various random check-ins and NFT correspondence or meme economy explanations. You
3: know what's interesting about the modern world cuz I've got a number of friends that have moved uh out of state or around or whatever and almost everybody keeps their phone number in the modern world just cuz mm-hmm. you know everybody knows your number and that's who people are used to and even though you get a lot of spam calls and be kind of nice to change your number, it's not worth the hassle of letting everybody in your entire orbit that you've ever known know you got a new number. So people just keep their number. So in the old days, it didn't work that way. You lost track of people in the modern world. Doesn't matter how many times you can move 30 times. Probably I could move 30 times. I'll probably keep the same number.
2: Right. Well, and then you can be living, for instance, in Northern California, and uh, you call your accountant, he's not there, he calls you back, and the number pops up, Des Moines, Iowa, and you think, I don't know anybody in Des Moines. Yeah. To pick it up, (laughs) it's your accountant who's lived in town for 20 years. Yeah,
3: exactly. The modern world, confusing, isn't it? We've got clips of the week coming up. Um, uh, If you haven't heard the uh, very famous person we had say goodbye to Sean, we've got that at the beginning of Hour 4, we'll get to that also. We need to revisit uh, what the hell happened yesterday. Was it a cluster F, as Politico says, Joe Biden coming out and making a giant announcement, then an announcement that contradicts it 180 degrees like five minutes later? What the hell was that? And critical
2: race theory crazed Congress people yelling racist at each other. It's really gotten down into the mud now.
3: The latest Ugh. political correct thing to be concerned about, are we ignoring look Lookism. Look-ism, I'm sorry. Lookism. Look-ism. Are we ignoring lookism? Is it okay to be mean to the ugly? Well, I don't think you should. I don't think you should.
0: Armstrong and Getty.